page 45, <clears throat> chapter 20, Corbining Alone. Social, technological and cultural shifts have probably created new obstacles to organising left-wing young people, as well as creating new facilities useful for that organising. The failure to overcome those obstacles in the Corbyn era was a failure of the left, and not inevitable. Robert Putnam's book, Bowling Alone, 1st edition 2000, 2nd edition 2020, is justly criticised for its description of social connectedness as social capital, an, an, an analogy of business capital and human capital, and for its supi liberal advocacy of general togetherness. It also gives extensive factual documentation, difficult to dismiss. No research com comparable to Putnam's has been done in Britain, but many partial inquiries and observations suggest that the trends of decline, declining social connectedness, as in the USA, have also prevailed in Britain. The historical timing is surely different. Union density started declining in the USA from the mid-1950s and rose in Britain until 1979. <clears throat> but probably much of what Putnam has documented in the USA has also happened in Britain, only later. Putnam gives some weight in social atomization to technology, for example, the rise of television, which still commands an average of three hours a day from people in the UK, more in fact than in the USA, and of the internet and social media. For the first time in history, those technologies offer well-produced entertainment and even a sort of assets togetherness, which can be consumed individually without meeting up each person at their own screen. Up to the 1970s, even, Labour youth groups in Britain would draw in many people by social activities, gigs, hikes, card playing, whatever. And surely they were helped by the fact that alternative recreation was scant and often expensive. Putnam <coughs> explicitly rejects technological determinism and mentions increased economic inequality as a driver. Other strands of neoliberalism, such as increased economic insecurity, are probably also drivers. So are the defeats of the working class movement over recent decades. Increased economic inequality and insecurity may boost organisation and solidarity if they are continuously combated, but not if the working class organisations fighting them are caught in a pattern of damage limitation and retreat. Putnam recalls the facts, quotes, The same phenomenon, observing up, doing down, appears in many spheres of American life, but many measures doing culture as opposed to merely consuming, has been declining. We certainly have not lost our taste for listening to music, but fewer and fewer of us play together. End quotes. In politics, quotes, less and less party activity involves volunteer collaboration among committed partisans. More and more involves the skills and expensive techniques of effective mass marketing. The way we're with all for mass marketing, <clears throat> has st steadily re replaced grassroots citizen networks as the coin of the realm. End quotes. Union memberships numbers have declined and, quotes, 
the type of involvement in unions has slackened. Unions are now seen mostly as hired bargaining agents, not as a social movement. End quotes. Political agitation and contestation has not diminished. Rather, we have seen the bureaucratization of si- quotes the bureaucratization of social discontents by mass promotion campaigns by full-time employees whose professional careers are defined in terms of social ma- movement participation. End quotes. Membership of associations of one sort or another in the USA has increased, not decreased, but the form of the association has changed. Quotes, in the last third of the 20th century, mailing list membership has continued to expand with the creation of an entirely new species of tertiary association whose members never actually meet. At the same time, active involvement in face-to-face organizations has plummeted. End quotes. Putnam notes that in the USA, the plummets, the disproportion between mailing list support and face-to-face activism has affected the left more than the right, which has retained bases of week-to-week face-to-face organizing in the churches, even despite the decline in church attendance. These trends have so far been sharpened rather than reversed by the rise of the internet and social media, as Putnam finds in his 2020 afterward, quotes, The internet, and especially Twitter, are the worst places for real discussion because you don't have relationships and people are trying to show how smart they are. They're trying to show how devoted they are to their team. So the kind of political engagement, the kind of public square that we get from social media is generally terrible. End quotes. Jean Twenge has suggested that the rise of social media goes with teenagers, even pre-pandemic, spending more time at home, less time out socialising than previous generations. Putnam concurs, quotes, Starting about 2011 to 12, rapid growth in teen use of smartphones and social media coincided with a significant decline in in in-person social interactions, such as getting together with friends, end quotes. That is plausibly a factor in the marked rise of depression and anxiety among teenagers in Britain and the USA. And what happens in our teens, generally the most social parts of our lives, feeds through into later life. Quotes, when volunteers are asked how they happen to get involved in their particular activity, the most common answer is, someone asked me, end quotes. Only to many of the activists who become comms professionals oriented towards broadcast electronic communication rather than the sort of conversations where one person explains an activity to another and asks them individually to help volunteer. Many of the limited number of Corbynite youth activated around 2015 drift towards bureaucratic machine politics and often seeing politics as a matter of career in the world of NGOs, think tanks, comms operations, MPs' offices, or union officialdom. At least one factor there must be that they had grown up in their teens with that sort of NGO-type activity as the visible model of leftist politics. Their drift, in turn, diverted them from building week-by-week active youth groups in the constituencies and on the campuses, and thus blocked the emergence of a different model. 
I commented above on the Corbyn period seeing a decline rather than a rise in street demonstrations, at least if you take out the big anti-Brexit demonstrations which Corbyn Labour did not support. Putnam's documentation tells us also that when there are big streets protests, the link with continuous week-by-week political activity has become looser, or at least one requiring more work. Quotes, demonstrations and other public protests in Washington have become somewhat larger, more frequent since the late 1960s. On the other hand, the great civil rights and Vietnam marches of the 60s were preceded and followed by continuing activists, activism in communities across the country, whereas a march on Washington in the 1990s provided no assurance of continuing community-based action. In Britain, the famous nuclear disarmament and Vietnam protests of the 1960s were in fact modest by today's standards. The Vietnam protests of March and October 1968 are estimated by some at 100,000, by others as few as 30,000. But those who joined the demonstrations would also join local meetings and activities of campaign for nuclear disarmament groups, Vietnam Solidarity Campaign Groups, labour youth groups, student labour clubs or other groups, trade unions. That is why those protests go down in history as nodes of a revival of left activism which flowed on for years in thousands of meetings, arguments, debates, neighbourhood activities, workplace activities as well as the dozens of big demonstrations. The source of activism mediated through week-by-week meetings with debates and arguments and the sort of activism shown by the demonstrations intertwined closely. Of course, many back then came to only the occasional demonstration and the occasional meeting and then drifted away. We had flakiness in truckloads. We didn't have a disconnect, big street protests or big spates of multiple protests, as with BLM in summer 2020 or Kill the Police Bill in spring 2021 with comparatively very little week-to-week local group activity preceding or following them. Or the converse, people who consider themselves activists and follow electronic messaging circles or even attend meetings keenly, but routinely don't attend the street protests. In the Corbyn period, when Momentum endorsed a street demonstration, which it did from time to time, noticeably few people identifiable as Momentum activists would turn out. And so the next twist of the disconnect, the new demonstration-goer would not be able to see Momentum or the Labour Party as a good way to stay involved. Technology surely plays a role here. With the internet and smartphones, much greater numbers can be informed quickly about protests than in the in the days when you could find out about a protest only by seeing a poster or someone personally handing you a leaflet. So if you want to find out about further protests, just follow the same electronic messaging to be involved. No need to join a group or attend meetings. Some people can perceive just following and transmitting electronic messages, signing appeals online, and so on, as political activism, even if they do little in person. Output filtered by electronic messaging can seem sufficient, 
so it can input filtered by electronic messaging. In the 1980s or earlier, even dilatory left-wing activists would regularly read one of the heavier bourgeois newspapers. They expose themselves daily to information, of which those newspapers carry a lot, and to bourgeois arguments, and had to le learn to read between the lines of the information and unpick the arguments. Even the dilatory discussed and argued daily with workmates or fellow students of differing views. With their window to the world around them, and to the left in particular, given by smartphones and social media, more exactly by the ele electronic messages they choose to pick up, since most people don't read most messages. Instead of serious newspapers and in-person conversations and meetings, people become more connected in a way. They also become more disconnected in another way. They may feel involved or even swamped almost every minute, but actually be left more atomized than see seemingly less connected activists geared to a week-by-week -week flow of in-person politics. We will fate ourselves to disappointment if we expect a long-running surge of organized local group activism with meetings, debates and so on to flow automatically from the great Black Lives Matter demonstrations of 2020 or the student climate strikes of 2019 or the protests against the police bill in 2021. We can see one reason why the Corbyn movement of 2015 had easy success in transforming diffuse occasional demonstration stirrings into week-by-week -week activism among older people who had assimilated the model of week-by-week in-person activism in the younger formative years, and it was harder with younger people. Technological determinism is out of place, though. From the Sanders movement in the USA since 2015, for all its weaknesses, and the heavy NGO why comes professional element in it, some socialists have been able to extract a rise in week-to-week -week meeting based activism of young people. Given a sufficient core of initial activists with sufficient energy oriented to building week-to-week -week activism and debate, resolved to use e-communication as a complement rather than a substitute, it can be done. Leonard once commented that trade union organization was sure to develop organically. Only if the consciousness of priests shaped it, it would be Catholic social partnership trade unionism, and if the consciousness of Marxists, then class struggle trade unionism. Perhaps today we have to add another alternative. Social disconnect, discontent among young people is sure to develop. Big street protests even. Only if the consciousness of people oriented to Stalinist-influenced or NGOY or comms professional models of political shapes it, then it will remain diffuse and sporadic. It requires the conscious activity of, of a sufficiently large and energetic body of class-struggle socialists to shape from the mass discontent a stream of activism based in meetings and discussions which will then flow on over years into lively workplace and neighbourhood organisations which can equip workers for effective class struggle. Those class struggle socialists need to use well the extra resources given to them by the internet and social media.
as a complement. They are bound to fail if they rely on those resources to substitute for in-person activism and outreach. If they think that organised week-to-week in-person activism, meetings, debates and so on have become old-fashioned and no longer necessary. There may be an analogy here with the findings of social scientists about individual friendship. People who have and meet many real-life friends generally improve those friendships by adding social media communication. People who use social media as a full-on substitute for real-life friends generally end up lonelier and more distressed. The US political scientist Aitin Hirsch is a conservative Democrat who criticizes most Democrats as too left-wing, but some of his observations about US politics are instructive for understanding the role of social media in the failure of the Corbyn era. Even in the era of Obama's election victories and the Sanders movement, Hirsch argues, right-wing Republicans in the USA do more in-person politics in the gun clubs and the churches than the left broadly defined. Right-wing social media can then consolidate people in a web of conspiracy theories. When the left, broadly defined, relies on social media, that doesn't work well, says Hirsch, because, quotes, online politics is all about provocation and signaling outrage, but changing people's minds requires empathy and face-to-face engagement, end quotes. And he, and he could add, consolidating changed minds into a stable and workable socialist politics requires long form discussion and debate by word of mouth and in writing something more than the mishmash of conspiracy theories that serve to consolidate people in right-wing politics quotes we used to think more about grassroots organizing focused on unions for example but unions have collapsed while churches have gotten disproportionately republican end quotes too many U.S. leftists, says Hirsch, fool themselves that they are politically effective when in fact they are political hobbyists, part of a froth of consultant-driven activism. They may do a lot of signing online petitions and, quotes, many of us think we are politically active, but in fact we are doing little more than signalling who we are to the other people, end quotes, in a fairly small circle. Quotes, It's not harder to go to a community meeting once a week today than it was 30 years ago, but it feels harder relative to the alternative, end quotes. Many Corbyn supporters participated only or mostly through social media. Social media have not made long-form discussion impossible or even unattractive. In fact, social media can amplify long-form events through the facility they give for advertising them more widely. The world transformed estimated 5,000 people at their 2016 Fringe Festival at the Labour Party conference, many of them coming to Liverpool, not for the conference, but just for the Fringe, and says that later years had bigger numbers. But social media do create a soft alternative to full political engagement, Whereas Hirsch puts it, quotes, many of us think we are politically active, but in fact we're doing little more than signalling, end quotes. To help people get past that and find ways into a third to regular week-by-week activism, capable 
of spreading out through neighbourhoods and workplaces requires energy, initiative and drive from already organised people. The Corbyn Leader's Office and too much of the top layer of the Corbyn surge failed in that, not from idleness, but because of their political ideas, which made the getting past seem not so important to them. They thought of politics as something to be managed and manipulated and a place to make careers in comms, rather than rather as something to be studied and debated. Page 51, chapter 21. Protesting too much. Many Corbynites thought and think the efforts by Workers' Liberty to develop a coherent organisation week by week active in all fronts of the class struggle, intent on debate and education, and with explicit socialist revolutionary aims to be sectarian or even cultish. By some of the self-appointed ideological border guards of Corbynism, that thought was expressed in Stalinist-level denunciations and smears, almost all carried on social media and often anonymously. The thoughtful argument against our approach was, however, developed and deserves an answer. The Chartist magazine acknowledges that, quote, it began its early days in the 1970s as a Trotskyist tendency, end quotes. It is still on the left, back to Corbyn in the, in, the 20, in the 2015 and the 2016 leadership contests. It has been better than most of the Labour left on Brexit and on anti-Semitism and more critical of Corbyn. Thus, when in a book review by its editor, Mike Davis, in its April 2019 issue, it stated the case for the left to limit it, limit its focus to getting Corbyn and MacDonald into office. We must take it as a deserving reply. Quotes, Ultimately, wrote Davis, the weakness of Trotskyism is the obsession with the, the October Revolution and the quest to transplant the early Bolshevik template to forge revolution in a country, indeed a Western world, that has long democratic traditions and entrenched institutions within a globalised capitalist system. What's the point of building an independent revolutionary party if many Trotskyist policies and demands can be achieved through the medium of a radical left party, particularly today with Labour-led Corbyn and MacDonald? End quotes. If we could get enough or much of what we wanted by levering Corbyn and MacDonald in, into office, then surely it would be a weakness to aim for a more, more laborious route. Essential here is whether many or enough Trotskyist politics could in fact be won by pushing along Corbyn and MacDonald. First, we need to unpick Davis's idea of the more laborious route to be avoided that of building an independent revolutionary party. The main forerunner of the Communist Party in its Marxist early years was the British Socialist Party, which was affiliated to the Labour Party. The Communist Party itself sought affiliation. The general rule for Trotskyists since then has been to participate in the Labour Party, using exactly the same rights given by its relatively open structure as exercised by the political groupings in Labour, Progress, the Fabian Movement, the Fabian Society, Momentum, whatever. 
We do not expect the Labour Party to move incrementally, smoothly and uniformly to a Marxist-type socialist orientation. We calculate that a really big left advance in the Labour Party will lead to a large right-wing splitting off, or the right-wing making a huge purge of the left to preempt the advance, and we plan to resist. Our guidelines is Marx's. We, quotes, do not set up any sectarian principles of their own by which to shape and mould the proletarian movement. We are distinguished from the other working class parties by this only. One, in the national struggles of the proletarians of the different countries, we point out and print to the the front the common interests of the entire proletariat, independently of all nationality. Two, in in the various stages of development which the struggle of the working class against the bourgeoisie has to pass through, we always and everywhere represent the interests of the movement as a whole. We are on the one hand practically the most advanced and resolute sections of the working class parties of every country, that section which pushes forward all others." We are an independent political organisation in a sense of having our own ideas worked out independently, distinct distinct from what may be handed down. But the other groupings have the right to that independence too. And if they fail to be independent, it is for lack of their own will and coherence, not because any rules should preclude it. Independence here doesn't mean standing aside. A route is more laborious than the route of nudging, seeking advancement in the board movement and hoping that the leaders will then deliver. But the extra labour is necessary. As Frederick Engels put it, quotes, the time of surprise attacks of revolutions carried through by small conscious minorities at the head of masses lacking consciousness is past. Where it is a question of a complete transformation of the social organisation, The masses themselves must also be in on it, must themselves already have grasped what is at stake, what they are fighting for, body and soul, end quotes. That holds whether the surprise attack on capitalism is a military stunt, as Engels had in mind, or an operation of deftly inserting a left-winger at the head of the Labour Party and wriggling them into Downing Street on a prospectus presented as only anti-austerity, by which we hope cunningly to nudge forward into socialism. People come to grasp what is at stake only by discussion and being convinced. That work can sometimes, in the midst of great struggles, be done very fast, but it can never be bypassed. It has has to be done all the time and honestly, whether progress is fast or for for the moment slow, or otherwise there will be no body capable of organising the discussion with and convincing of sudden huge numbers mobilised when the great struggles come. The term revolutionary is not much used now to describe the fiesta wing of the left. Even the term radical, adopted since the 1990s as a softer-sounding alternative, now suffers from being widely used as a synonym for violent Islamist. But surely, at least, we need some better terms to distinguish the feisty left from low-ambition, small-steps types 
than the downright meaningless transformative or transformational. The real problem with the term revolutionary is that in early earlier days of the socialist movement, it evoked the French Revolution of 1789-93 or the Russian Revolution of 1917, great democratic emancipatory movements. Now the models of revolution, first to young people's minds, may be the Iranian clericalist revolution of 1979 or the Khmer Rouge overturn of 1975 in Cambodia. The word revolution has suffered from abuse, like the words socialism or democracy for that matter. Even in the Chartist article written by someone knowledgeable, revolution is counterposed to long democratic traditions, as if democratic openings make rapid and comprehensive social change more difficult or remote. In fact, they make it easier by making it easier for workers to organise, to discuss and to gain political experience and knowledge. Yet the term revolution still has broad enough connotations for Bernie Sanders in the USA to describe his aim as a revolution for the Hong Kong movement since 2016 to use the slogan, Liberate Hong Kong, Revolution of Our Times. Yes, our aim is a workers' socialist revolution. The word revolution here has three dimensions. We want not just three small modifications, not just to mitigate capitalism piecemeal, but a big big move from private ownership of productive wealth and a bureaucratic and militarised state dominated by those private owners to collective ownership and democratic management of productive wealth with a democratic semi-state attuned to workers' control. The tiger of capitalism cannot be skinned claw by claw. The decisive change must be rapid and comprehensive and cannot be achieved by an arithmetical sum of small increments spread over a long time. Serious reforms can be won within capitalism and sustained for long periods. A workers' regime after a revolution would still be, as Marx put it, quote, in every respect, economically, morally, intellectually, still stamps with the birthmarks of the old society from whose womb it emerges, end quotes, and could progress towards full socialism only over years and generations. But the core change can happen only through an abrupt taking of power from one social class, the capitalist plutocrats, by another, the working class. As Marx put it, quotes, Revolution is necessary not only because the ruling class cannot be overthrown in any other way, but also because the class overthrowing it can only, in a revolution, succeed in ridding itself of all the muck of ages and become fitted to found society anew. End quotes. The third dimension is that of educating ourselves to be prepared for counter-revolutionary capitalist violence. As James P. Cannon puts it, put it, quotes, it is the opinion of all Marxists that social revolution will be accompanied by violence. The outlived classes attempted to defend themselves against the new order or to suppress by violence the movements for the, the new order has resulted in every important social transformation up to now being accompanied by violence. The position of the Marxists is that the most economical and preferable, the most desirable method of social transformation by all means is to have it done peacefully. It is not absolutely excluded. 
The lessons of history don't show any important examples in favour of the idea so that you can count upon it. We have a prediction that the outlived class, which is put in a minority by the revolutionary growth in the country, will try by violent means to hold on to the privileges against the will of the majority. We advise the workers to bear this in mind and prepare themselves not to permit the reactionary outlived minority to frustrate the will of the majority. In fact, even socialists with a more limited idea of socialism even socialists who calculate that the changes they want can be won by accumulation of increments over a long time should prepare for counter-revolutionary violence. Revolution is impossible without a sizable chunk of the armed forces being won over or convinced to stand aside. The winning over is entirely possible, but is likely to require the pushing back by force of the counter-revolutionary diehards who will otherwise keep the hesitant on their side. The counter-revolutionary military coup in Chile in 1973 happened not because the reforming regime there was too bold, but because it was not bold enough, eschewing rank-and-file organising in the armed forces and instead bringing generals into its government in the hope of appeasing them. The 2021 military coup in Myanmar was driven not by the part civilian government attempting any revolution, but by the military calculating that worker and democratic organisation had been left weak enough for a coup to win. The October Revolution of 1917 was probably the most bloodless of great revolutions in history, because when the time came for the government of the elected workers' councils to sweep away the unelected provisional government, the revolutionaries had already dispersed the old police force and won over the ranks of the old army. It was followed by a civil war, with 14 states sending troops to help the counter-revolutionaries. But the way that could have been averted was by workers' revolutions spreading to other countries, not by the Russian revolutionaries seeking only incremental change. Revolutionary in a country like Britain in the 21st century will be different from the Russian Revolution of 1917. In Russia, the workers' councils were the first ever broad-elected democratic bodies, as well as being more flexible and responsive and attuned to workers' control than any parliament. Workers' councils have emerged in a wide variety of countries across the decades since 1917 and in a wide variety of ways. They are likely to emerge in Britain from councils of action formed in strikes and struggles against the existing unelected state machine ousting or paralysing a reforming parliamentary workers' government and to gain supremacy because the struggle has shifted the access of politics away from the old procedures. Page 55, Chapter 22, Manifestos, Policies and Real Change The article in the Chartist criticises us for quotes, obsession with the October Revolution, end quotes. We would happily discuss a wider or more flexible concept of working class revolution if the article proposes proposed one. It doesn't. Instead, it counterposes hopes of, quotes, many Trotskyist policies and demands achieved through labour led by Corbyn and MacDonald, end quotes. The 2017 and 2019 manifestos were surely better than anything from Blair, Brown or Miliband. They promised essentially, 
to repair many of the cuts in services and benefits made by Tory governments after 2012, though in the 2017 manifesto, not the cuts in local government services. To remove university tuition fees, introduced by Blair in 1999 at £1,000 a year, increased in 2006 to £7,000 to £3,000, and then by the Tories and Lib Dems in 2010 to £9,000 for England. To restore some public ownership of utilities. The 2019 manifesto also promised much better climate policies. That aside, Essentially, the manifesto's promised to wind back many of the Tories' social counter-reforms since 2010, a few of Blair's, one or two of Thatcher's, and so to restore British social conditions to something nearer 1979, while keeping gains since then, like same-sex marriage rights and generally improved technology and real wages. That's assuming that a Corbyn government would have carried out all the manifesto policies in full, despite capitalist resistance and despite the parliamentary Labour Party still being dominated by right-wingers. The assumption was always unlikely unless there was a vigorous push to the left from the base of the Labour movement. Both manifestos promised to repeal the Tories' Trade Union Act 2016. Despite repeated Labour Party conference votes to repeal all anti-union laws, neither manifesto promised to restore union and workers' rights to their level before Thatcher, though the 2019 manifesto promised vaguely to remove unnecessary restrictions on industrial action and specifically to allow trade unions to use secure electronic and workplace ballots rather than the unwieldy postal ballots insisted on by Thatcher legislation. Again, despite a Labour Party conference vote in 2019, even the 2019 manifesto would not promise to restore the free movement of people between Britain and the EU27, threatened and now destroyed by Brexit. No one could have got much more left-wing manifestos through the actual Labour Party of 2017 or 2019. Maybe. It was well worth fighting for the manifesto's reforms or pushing back of counter-reforms. Back in the late 19th century, British Marxists made their main campaign one for a legal eight-hour limit on the working day. We want reforms and we want to use parliamentary channels to their maximum to win those reforms. But the restoration of social frameworks to early 1980s levels is not socialism. It is not many Trotskyist policies. It is not an easy way to achieve something comparable to what the October Revolution of 1917 achieved in a different way. To win the restorations would have emboldened workers and plausibly led to further demands welling up from the ranks to go beyond Corbyn's limits. But only to the extent that within those ranks, in the workplaces, in the neighbourhoods, there had been socialists with regular week-by-week activity arguing for, explaining and popularising those further demands, preparing the ground even at a time when most workers thought even the manifesto promises a long shot. That's what Workers' Liberty did and continues to do. Global, page 56, last chapter, 23, Globalisation. An incrementalist policy was more plausible in the 1970s. 
Social reforms won over the years, such as those legislated by Labour in Britain in 1945-50, had largely stuck. Conservatives had resigned themselves to continuing those reforms, indeed sometimes expanding them. It is less plausible today. Despite what the Chartist article implies, little by little rely on parliamentary leaders. Socialism has less favourable conditions today, not more favourable. Individual governments are under greater pressure from the more fluid movements of globally mobile capital and faster-moving and more enveloping world markets. Much of the talk by reformists of constraints constraints from globalisation is exaggerated. Reforms can still be won, by the counter-pressures, but the counter-pressures have increased, not reduced, and the shift from standard 1990s neoliberalism since 2008 has more often been towards right-wing nationalist and authoritarian courses, Trump, Erdogan, Modi, uh, Orban, etc. The scope for large changes to be won by pushing existing favourable trends a bit further rather than by the more laborious route of overturn via the workers' mobilisation from below, is narrowing, not expanding. In 2015, Syriza won office in Greece on a prospectus more radical than Corbynera's labour labours. It faced obstruction from EU institutions, but then Corbynera labour in office would probably have faced equally or more obstruction from the world financial markets, and there was visible potential for worker solidarity across the EU EU countries to push the EU institutions to back off. Syria did not mobilise that solidarity. Within a few months, it was negotiating another austerity plan for Greece. It made some marginal reforms, but only marginal. Jacinda Ardern's Labour government in New Zealand has won credit for its handling of the COVID pandemic, but on social issues it has done not much more than the solidly bourgeois government in Taiwan, which has handled the pandemic well too. As Ben Peterson wrote in the Jacobin website, October 2020, quotes, The government announced a workplace relations reform called Fair Pay Agreements, FPAs. FPAs were supposed to allow workers and unions to negotiate minimum standards across whole industries, alongside existing enterprise bargaining. However, the introduction of FPAs was first delayed and subsequently referred back. In recent years, poverty rates have skyrocketed, yet a working group's report was mothballed and almost all its recommendations ignored. Arden also set up Kiwi Builds, a state-backed programme to build affordable housing for first-home buyers. By August 2020, only 452 homes were built. End quotes. In Britain in November 1981, even something so modest as a new low-fares public transport regime for London, pushed by the then left-wing Ken Livingstone as leader of the Greater London Council, was stopped by being ruled illegal by the courts. In 1974, when the Labour government was far from radical, still, so it was later revealed, quotes a fairly senior army officers made suggestions that perhaps if things got terribly bad, the army would have to do something about it, end quotes. With the House of Lords, the courts, the monarchy, 
and the unelected civil service chiefs. The British state has great resources to deflect a reforming government long before it comes to using the army. Reducing the socialist perspective to one of hopes of many Trotskyist politics, policies being carried out by Corbyn if he should win office, dismissing alternatives as obsession with the October Revolution, thus means chopping it down to something which offers no more to the rank-and-file worker than unstable mitigations and requires from them no more than modest support. As Rosa Luxemburg put it long ago, quotes, People who pronounce themselves in favour of the method of legislative reform in place and in contradiction to the conquest of political power and social revolution do not really choose a more tranquil, calmer and slower road to the same goal, but a different goal. Instead of taking a stand for the establishment of a new society, they take a stand for surface modifications of the old society. End quotes. Different limitations combined to stunt their Corbyn surge. Scaling down of socialist perspectives, reluctance for substantive debate, the lack of urgency about getting beyond social media snippets to form to long-form debate, finding a way to knit together sporadic street protest and regular week-by-week activities, drawing in young people. That is what went wrong with Corbynism. This is... That is what has to be put right if we are to develop the potential which still exists in Labour's new ranks and surely exists longer term in the broader working class. To put it right, it is more laborious than reliance on waiting and hoping for a left-wing Prime Minister, but more productive. We work to impose on the ruling class the sentiment that, as the Tory MP Quinton Hogg said in February 1943, quote, if you don't, do not give the people the social reform, they are going to give you social revolution, end quotes. And then, when we win these reforms, to press on for more. The tech does not promise instant, quick, easy success. It promises something like Randolph Churchill's description, fortnightly review, May 1883, of Disraeli's career, quotes, Failure, 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 partial success, renewed failure, ultimate and complete triumph, end quotes. Better than the conformist Corbynite scenario. Partial success, illusory success, illusory success, confusion and retreat, rote and abdication. Study, propagandize, organize. <laughs> <laughs>